the joke podcast i'm alexis i'm michael it's good to be back aj here i'm aaron yeah and we are jazz for today <laughs> i think we are we are talking about anthony jeselnik's thoughts and prayers 2013 netflix special heard of them 2015 2015 Netflix special. I don't know. Yeah, 2015 Caligula was 2013 my apologies audience okay it is what it is yeah suck it um suck it, mr jeselnik <laughs> Do we want to do a little background? Yeah, I mean, like, we can just talk about his joke style first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, he's in the, the lineage of the one-liners. We, we've done... Um, Mitch. We've done Mitch Hedberg before. The legend. Uh, but he takes it to another level where he is rambling off the most inappropriate one-liner. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I guess for me, my background for Jusselnick is I knew him from Comedy Central Roast. Like, that's how I found out about him, saw him on all these, immediately knew he was, like, a, a crude comedian who pulled no punches back, made people cringe with his jokes. So that was my introduction to him. Um, so that's those are the blinders I went into this with. I did not know Anthony Jusselnick at all. Never heard of this person. Aaron said he was... He, you know, was popular a few years ago. Back in the college days. Yeah. So. I, Our college I, days. I know that. Our college days. Every college. 2010, 2020. What, I don't know, I find him interesting. I find, I... I like the, we've talked about this on the, the Hedgeberg, but I like somebody that can be that prolific at just like one-liners. That, that fascinates me in itself. And he kind of came out in the same time. I'm, I actually don't know this for sure, but pure speculation. It felt like the same time as Tosh. Like the guys that were just like, here's the most vulgar. He here's the, the way. Ta- Ta- here's Tosh the is a couple years before yeah. him. Yeah, but, Tosh but is about four, three, four years before him. Just a handful of comedians that were like, I'm not going to give a fuck about political correctness. Yeah. I'm going to go hard, hard, you know, for like. sure. Yeah, and that's, I. my introduction was the same as the ones who did now, right? We, we saw him in college, in, the, in our college days, and uh, on roasts, uh, and I, I never actually watched a full set of his. And so that is why Either. we were open, I feel like. Oh, so I'm I'm the big fan. You're the odd man out. I'm today, the big fan because <laughs> I found him. I mean, we'll go through the history, but he was in the the classic guy doing comedy in New York who gets picked for a Comedy Central Presents special and like did everybody. He one, did he get a thirty minute yeah, he, special? So we talked about this before, but like I would just fall asleep watching Comedy Central for all of their like weird Comedy Central presents. It would just be on you're, late night. You're a true comedian. Oh, I, I, I'm a, I was addicted as a kid. Yeah. Uh, and AJ's a comedian. Thanks. He was so young, for like <laughs> really like 22, 23 uh, in 2009 gets this special and it just like showed up late night one, not, one night. I watched the whole thing, never learned his name. Years go by, he ends up on one of those roasts, and I'm like, that's the guy, but he was killing me on that. Comedy. So, yeah, I was going to ask you the first time you saw him, what was your first? He was a lot less vulgar the first time. Yeah. He would write jokes. Like, there's one that stuck with me all these years where he's, he's always been vulgar to me, though. That's uh, he, all I remember yeah. of him. His, his, his early stuff was in that, like, you could feel it bubbling, but, like, my favorite joke, the, the first time I was like, oh, he's got something, is when he said... I'm about to graduate and everybody keeps asking me, you know, what are you going to do after graduation? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess my parents are going to take me to dinner or something. <laughs> and like that kind yeah, of humor a, where it's like, the, joke. yeah, the same kind of like left turn humor where you think you know where it's going, but, but a lot less, yeah. you know, a lot of like my girlfriend, this and my girlfriend, that like a lot less, uh, Dead baby jokes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So, audience, Anthony Jeselnik was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in 1978. That's wild. And uh, so that's probably why he's so uh, 
So just uh, Morbid? boring. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Shots fired. He, uh, that oh, me. <laughs> uh, he released his first album, Shakespeare, in 2010, Caligula in 2013, and then this was Thoughts and Prayers in 2015. He did three rows, so his rows were really what got him popular. Yeah. He did Donald Trump, then Roseanne Barr, and Charlie Sheen. That was 2010, right, 11, and 12. Idea for another one, Donald Trump roast. I've oh, totally sh- forgot he had to, a roast. For this podcast. I thought you were pitching the idea for a Donald Trump no. roast. That's not, <laughs> which not, has already happened. We just said it. We'll not episode related. Yeah. Thank you, Michael, for the segue. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, but, he also um, wrote for Fallon. Fallon's oh, that first, was like, yeah. you know, first year as a late night uh, host. And apparently was like the classic couldn't get a joke on to save his life. Mm-hmm. Would just pitch the same like obesity jokes. And Fallon was like... That is gonna kill my fan base. Like I'm not well, saying this. He good. says that in the set, right? Does he? That he pitched it every day for 30 days, oh, or is that an article I read? No. Okay, so that was an article I read. Later, we'll talk about the shark party joke. But he pitched the shark party joke on Fallon every day for 30 days. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, he's. He became in the cultural zeitgeist, right? He's doing three roasts in a row. The guy is clearly popular. Um, He's come out with sets since, I know 2019 he had a set with a beard. He he got bearded. That was interesting, an interesting look. Um, But uh, yeah, I I would say you guys want to dive into the the set. Let's get going. Only way to do it. San Francisco. I'm just going to say out of the bat that this was a nightmare for me and I oh. hate Anthony Jesselvin. Whoa. Okay, yeah. so go on. I All opinions are valid here, but I'm just going to say yeah. that. Let's, let's, let's get into very Yeah, let's get into broad thoughts Tell us first. Why, Alexis. Broad thoughts. Like, just like, why do you. So, <clears throat> I mean, we can kind of just go because, like I said, I did not know him, had never heard him. So I was, like, very open-minded. Even I at the beginning, I'm like, yeah, like, you know, he made the joke about, like, San Francisco, most PC city in the world. Not when I'm on stage, it's not. Or, like, I saw a baby today locked in a car. <laughs> but I tried to throw a rock in, a rock in the window. The window was down. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, First maybe off. I like his delivery. But there are layers to my disdain. He's here. a little like monotone yeah. serial killer. I'm, I'm gonna jump on this wagon and really give my thoughts and opinions. So I've never liked Anthony Jeselnik. I always Whoa, thought he was I'm really shocked. bad. Um, I, thought I always thought that like the crudeness was just to be crude, and he he goes like I read some articles like that's what he's doing, and and just to be crude. To, to me isn't like a valuable trait so i was curious to watch a set like i went in open-minded like okay i've never watched the whole set we'll see what he does with it um i gotta say he didn't do much with it um so the second half he basically just tries to make himself feel better about the things he's done um but yeah so i, I went into this open-minded and then going back even after the set didn't really hit i was like well what about some of his other stuff i watched all of his roasts they don't really land for me. He uh, he has a joke for uh, Seth Green. He goes, I'm so excited to hear AJ right now. I'm sorry, AJ. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. He goes, Seth Green is here, everybody. Well, we all have the weird, creepy uncles, right? Well, Seth Green's gotten fucked by all of them. And uh, to me, it's just like, uh, good, you got Seth Green, all right. On like, to the next. Yeah, like, when wait. He, what's the deaf actress's name who is on the... Marley Matlin. Yeah, when he hmm. yells, he goes, Marley Matlin. Are you even listening to me? I, I, I lost my shit at that roast. Like, that is so good. I to expect me. you to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those jokes just don't do it for me. It's interesting because I love Mitch Hedberg so much. So I do like the twist, but his twists don't really, like, they don't land. Like, okay, Larry King's on one of the roasts. So he goes, Larry King has been married eight times. Jesus, eight times? You have 99 problems, and bitches are all of them. <laughs> I mean, like, it's fine. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, they're all fine. Like, I had a similar experience as you did because I knew about him and what his like MO was, but I still went in with an open mind and I was still disappointed because I think a combination of his content and how he delivers it, I got a feeling of like a opposite of humility, like a he knows he's the shit and he's about to like lay down a joke that's going to get everyone laughing like that hurt me a little bit. It's false bravado it's a, it's a character I know, but like it's too I much know. you know it's but his character so we can we'll go into this during the set but i will say that his demeanor and yeah. his 
his delivery is so bad to me. It doesn't help him one bit. Like, going off of his bravado, but, like, the monotone. So I read this in an article that basically the first time he went on to do, a like, an open mic, he tried to do physical comedy, and it bombed. So he vowed to never do physical comedy again. Well, the one part that I laughed the hardest later is, like, the one moment in the set that he does something different. What was it? And, and that's not to say that there weren't times that we both were did laugh at. I in my notes, oh, I laughed. somewhere. I will like, say I chuckled. I'm dead. That was funny. Every you know? sixth or seventh joke of his, I laugh at. I laughed yeah. occasionally. Yeah. Okay. And I, I will say, of his specials, this is my least favorite. I will, okay. I will give you that. Like, we probably... We picked the one that was on Netflix, our bad. We probably should have found some access to some other ones, but I am fascinated by, we've talked about this on the Mitch episode, like guys that can write these kind of prolific jokes. I like the idea of, like he walks it more than anybody where he puts a setup in front of you where you almost think you know what the joke, or you think you know, like, I know what this joke is going to be, and then he hits you over the head with something different, and you're like, damn, like, how did I not see that coming? Like, so, yeah, I did I, not feel that way. So, yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, repetitive. First of all, the format of the jokes, like, honestly, looking back, I'm like, wow, Mitch Hedberg was a fucking genius. I know that we had, I maybe liked him the least at that time, Mitch. but, like, comparatively now, I'm like, okay, Mitch Hedberg was doing that style where it's like intro, intro, twist. And it was perfectly like a bomb at the end that just got you each time. It was great and was silly and like smart. Um, this to me, it, it just felt like so repetitive. Like every yes. single sentence was da 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 I will agree with you completely on that. In fact, I will play a game with myself sometimes where like when he puts out new material, I will watch the setup and then pause it and see if I can guess what yes. the punchline is gonna be because you know it's gonna be so so dark. So like, dark. Like, you kind of playing he, in your mind. Okay, what's like the setup? Where's it going? Like He's pigeon-told himself because he loves being like, literally there's a quote where he's talking about how he had some TV show in 2013 and he's like, what if the devil had a talk show? But I still think I can be the Prince of Darkness. Like, he's calling himself the Prince of Darkness. This whole thing is like, how can I make people cringe? So every, there is no turn for me because right. well, you know every turn is going to go dark. So even though I'm like, okay, I didn't get that joke right because I didn't use the same exact words. I knew it was going to be about a dead baby. I knew it was going to sure. be about him fucking his sister. Or sure. like, Also the name of that show, the Jesselnik Offensive. Like this is his brand. But and what's like, weird, I've got to say, is like a lot of his stuff, it's not even offensive. Like no. yeah. I can laugh at a joke like he was like, beautiful women says she's a brain surgeon I don't know if this is sexist but I really I was really impressed I mean most women can't pull off sarcasm that was actually a better one I gotta say but some of them like his offense he he, like louds himself as this provocateur and like I'm so offensive no one can handle me but it's like no one is offended necessarily by like dead baby jokes. They're just like fucking stupid, I think. I think he's also responding. Like we're we're in hindsight, but at the time, those are the articles that are being written about him. That is the commentary. Like he's he's riding that own wave in a yeah. way. So now, yeah, I, just if if you guys want to quote, um, this was from when he released 2019, New York Times did a piece about him or how he's so thoughtful and smart. Um, but he goes, uh, Oh, so this was a joke that he removed from his set later on. This was after the um, synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh. He released, he took this joke out of his set. He goes, the joke is, why is it a hate crime if I love to do it? But then he goes, which, yeah, uh, whatever. It's, they're all, whatever. At the beginning, um, there were lots of jokes about my girlfriend, and you hear the misogynist laugh a little louder. If I talk about race, racists laugh a little louder. It's why I've gone darker. If you talk about death, everyone's in the same boat. So, like, I think, obviously, it's good to see, at least through so, his interviews, that he's aware he does change with the times. Well, can we talk about that real quick? Because I like that there are comics out there that are going to push the limits of what you can say. And I do agree with you. Sometimes he's not even that offensive, but he's willing to talk talk about the topic where sometimes people are like oh you can't even talk about this anymore he's like no right but that's where like I'm like okay then Dave Chappelle Dave Chappelle is doing that and he's doing it well I think well actually Dave Chappelle is clearly more offensive like Dave Chappelle is clearly more but he's like going out there talking about it actually like relevant things and bringing up intelligent 
Yeah, like, I guess to this point, like, he made a comment in the set about how the goalpost keeps moving on things that you can't say. There were several things in this set and Thoughts and Prayers that I personally deem as just kind of, like... And he he was describing me. Like, I thought that this was off-limits. Like, talking about Eric Clapton's son. Like, people seemed in the audience to think that was funny. I thought that that was, like, extremely... Hilarious? Like, kind of gross. I don't know, like, a three-year-old kid falling out of a skyscraper and dying when he calls him a clumsy little lad i know which is like oh I, God, I think that's an interesting take <laughs> right. it just feels like such a jarring thing to make a I, joke about I yeah don't know. that's that's what he's going for though i know but like that i don't know if it sits with me I, can, can i, I, I don't know line real big yeah, yeah, the yeah, thing sorry. that you were just reading in that article about the he is listening like if he makes a racist joke he's he's trying to pick fun at racism and making a joke about it but when he hears a racist person laugh a little bit more or if he makes a sexist joke and he hears men laugh like he's clearly conscious enough to be like they're not getting it the same way I'm getting it and so I'm going to stop making those jokes and push it to a world that we all live in you know like yeah but like I think some of it is like Dave Chappelle believes the things he says Jeselnik I don't think believes any of this shit but is that important Kind of, because... Oh, I disagree. Because you can tell. That's why I think his delivery doesn't work for me, because it's all bullshit. Even his family jokes, like, aren't real stories, so, like, okay, this is just made... Like, everything's made up. He has, like, a whole piece, and then goes, none of that's real. No, but I understand. But, like, even Chappelle has said in his specials, like, I'm saying the funniest thing I can think of. Not the politically correct, not what I believe. I'm saying the funniest version, and it might offend people. And then he's... He's he doesn't like when he gets backlash, which is why this like whole transgender thing has gone on for special after special is because he said something he thought was just being funny, which he doesn't believe and got a ton of backlash for it. And so he's like, well, you're not going to tell me what I can and can't say. Well, it's not that he doesn't believe those things. It's that they're not understanding his critique of intense his intent yeah well okay back to jesselnik i just think for me the underlying thing is that none of this is really offensive i don't think at any point he really goes into anything that's like a divisive thing in society that's like majorly racism or whatever like i mean he is a lot of misogynistic stuff but like listen i'm a feminist i can laugh at some jokes about women if they're fun about you know misogynistic shit if it's funny to me, it's just that none of it's funny. And, I mean, and that's, I will honestly say about 95% of this I thought was just not funny and low, low brow. Let's talk about yeah, that. And, <laughs> can I tell one joke? Wait, that one last thing joke? I gotta say. What he thinks is funny, as in like darkness, like, <clears throat> it's just like jokes that we made when we were 10 years old. Like he said, this girl was so beautiful. She was 19 years old and she got a tattoo. Oh, yeah. And I said, that's going to look so bad in 20 years stretched out over my lamp. Like his weird thing of like, I'm a serial killer. Okay, like, no, like, I silence like, of the like, lamps. You have it was just to, like, okay, dude, whatever. That's just like clever writing in the twist. Like, I, I feel like you're not giving enough credit to that's going to look like the pause and the delicacy of that's gonna look bad in 20 years stretched out. If you had just stopped there, you're picturing like an old saggy person, like that idea and then the comma and then to say, stretched out over my lamp. And like, yes, that is not the funniest punchline, but the cleverness of making me think he's talking about that, that tattoo's gonna look terrible in 20 years just because you're gonna get old and stretchy. Yeah, there's a more eloquent way of... Yeah, I just, I just think the joke still is like him playing on this thing like, oh, I'm like a sick serial killer that like loves dead bodies and shit. Right, but it's I not, just, but that's that not what not makes that me. So that's I'll, not what makes me interested in that joke. That joke is more interesting because of the. He could have made any reference to a serial killer. He was smart enough to be like, the the stretched out of a tattoo versus the stretched out of skin over my like. That is smart. I want to share an example of like a similar joke syntax that he had that I thought was extremely funny. This was my favorite joke of the set. Okay. When he's talking about, he asked the audience if they've checked child molesters that live near them or around them. And he go, he's doing the same thing you're talking about as he's like slowly building up to something and you don't know how it's going to end. And he says, 
I looked and there were so many that lived close to me, like within five miles of my apartment. So why the hell do we always have to meet at my place? <laughs> like that to me, like it had nothing to do with child molesters as much as it was like a self-deprecating, like yeah. I'm a part of it. Right. Sure. It, I definitely thought that the first 15 minutes or so were the best. Like I feel like yeah. all of the yeah. good things that I enjoy about Jeselnik, like the jokes that the one in the six, all one of those were in the beginning, and then the rest of the five out of the six were in the back half. My, my, actually, I laughed twi- twice really hard. Aaron was dying at this one. The, we both were laughing. I will say, hard. so the first time I laughed really hard is that we've all watched enough set stand up here that. There's always that one audience member that has the crazy yes. laugh, and I'm like, I feel so bad for this comedian that he's gonna Tackling have to deal. Peggy. Yeah. Woman yeah. And, and he goes up and he goes, um, what, what do you say? Uh, Ask her what she does or something. So he goes up to this lady, I can tell you're a big comedy fan and batshit insane. Did you just come from the dentist or what? Uh, uh, what's your name, Peggy? What are you trying to do? Oh, you're disabled? I know you're disabled. <laughs> yeah. He, when she says, what do you do, Peggy? And she goes, I'm disabled. He goes, Peggy, I know you're disabled. <laughs> yeah, that was great. And that wasn't... That was him, like, being mean or offensive. Like, we wouldn't normally say that to somebody. But, like, the it didn't have to follow his standard thing. I mean, that's crowd work. Like, his yes. crowd yes. work sometimes is good, and I like that. Like, that's where I know I'm it's like, cheeky. this guy, yeah, like, this guy is smart, but I just don't think he uses it in a clever enough way. I totally agree. I, I really love his audience banter. Like, yeah. every time he addresses the audience, that was making me die. Like... Uh, I agree. His audience nice. work was some I mean, of the I better. He says him. to the husband, what do you do so I can move the fuck <laughs> on? Because, <laughs> like, I kind of agree. Like, let's get, on, let's get on with it. Tell us what you do for a yeah. living so you can move on to his next bit. I literally have commented, like, I'm agreeing with you guys that, like, I put in, in parentheses lots of bad jokes, like, in the, in the stream of this show. And then the next one that made me laugh was, I love the uncle joke about summer camp. He says, my oh, God, I... He says, there's a lot of bad jobs out there. My uncle runs a summer camp for kids who are about to get molested. That, I mean, we're all summer camp people here, so that just made me laugh and cringe. And then I think it's smart, the next two little blurbs about it. He doubles down twice. He says, uh, he says, never worked a day in his life. It doesn't pay that much. (laughs) But the benefits. (laughs) See, and that's because, like, that joke's good because he goes on. Like, he starts extrapolating and expanding on that first joke. And a lot of times he doesn't do that. He just says the twist and moves on. So my favorite joke is one that he really goes into. So he tells the joke about how his brother's living with him and... Um, you know, one day he comes or like he's like, my, like I walked his brother I call my brother Well, he said like no one likes him in the oh, community. Oh yeah, something. the neighbors don't yeah. like him. Um, and, and we don't have the, anyone have this. Okay, he says I, I walked in on my brother masturbating, and he just looked at me and said. Like, go shut, away. No, he said, shut, shut the, the door. door. I said, come inside. Yeah. And <laughs> so then he said, come back inside. Okay, so then he goes on, like, so uh, my brother was at a show one time, and he was there, and he came up to me, and I was like, how was the joke? And he's like, uh, I think it's kind of weird you want to fuck me. And... And then I forget the exact like, but he goes on and he's like, no, that's a, that's a joke about you masturbating, not me wanting to fuck you. And he's like, no, he's like, yeah, you were, you were like, come on back inside, <laughs> you know? And the way he said it is the only time in the entire set he's, he talked in his brother's voice where he gave him like this kind of little yeah. dude, like come back inside. His only voice work he did the entire set. And he just turned it because the usual Jeselnik joke is, come back inside, right? It's a turn, my brother was masturbating sure. with the door open, I told him to come back inside. Ha ha ha. The funny part, like that wasn't funny, the funny part was when he sets it up with, my brother says, why do you want to fuck me? Which didn't make sense to me. Just like an odd. And he's in this, he's kind of doing a voice finally, and then he gives himself this thing where he's like, yeah, come back inside. And like even does a little bit of like, you know, sexual seduction and it just, made me laugh so hard to think of like a younger brother or a brother being like you want to fuck me it's weird like come like it's interpreting the entire joke very differently and then i did or then anyone did because the joke was just like oh he was masturbating outside to have somebody interpret the joke differently especially his brother like i just literally i didn't hear the next couple jokes because i was crying laughing i did so i could jump in Um, (laughs) i agree with what you just said aaron Right after that joke, he 
displayed his lack of humility again, in my opinion. He kept making references to, like, his amazing place that he has in Los Angeles. Like, he kept saying, like, I have a great apartment. Like, he said, like, I have an awesome apartment. Yeah, there's a little and bit I, of But there was no, like, to joke yeah, tied to sure. it. It just felt like, yeah. like a, you know, a red herring. Like, I have, I have a lot of money. Like, I have a dope place. And I was like, mm-hmm. I think there's, like, this... He's playing this character. Like, no comic is really cocky. So he's kind of like, I don't... I think he... In my mind, like, just it's all humorous. Me. I don't think he thinks, like, I'm the shit. I think he thinks it's funny to it pretend comes across to be the yeah, shit. Yeah, he definitely has the... You know what? He did this. He said, you can hate me. Wait, hold on. Fuck, I lost it. He said, you can hate me and still laugh at me. That's how talented I am. And I'm like, this fucking guy, yeah. I want to punch him in the face. Oh, like, the most punchable like face. And then he goes immediately into... I once dated a girl who punched me as hard as she could. I turned around and left, but in my head, I was like, no, we're even. <laughs> and I, all I was thinking was, yeah, I would punch the fuck out of you, too, if I uh, had you in my daily life. Well, I love that one, though. That made me laugh. So we've talked about this on the Hedgebird podcast, but I also get really fascinated by the idea of jokes that we tell each other. And I mean that in the sense that, like, when your grandfather or your dad or you're in the lunchroom and you have like a four second joke, you can't tell a monologue. You can't like tell somebody's story about being with their brother because that's not funny, but you can say like a guy walks into a bar, right? Like where do those jokes come from? And those are like Dangerfield and uh, you know, Mitch Hedberg. And like he, he really kind of is the only person of the last 10, 15 years that like is still kind of doing that format of here's one-liners that you can kind of repeat and no they're not all great but like some of them kill me like i love the the have you ever seen a dead body i have i was walking in the woods and i saw a guy in a bear trap uh and i you know i didn't tell anybody but i came back a couple weeks later and he was dead <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, I that's guess, great. Like, I almost think that he yeah, would be better. This way, yeah, <laughs> I think it would be better if he like was just a writer on things. Like, I think he's he. There's no. I think it's like I want to say he's not smart because I don't think he's funny. But I think it's a presentation thing. Like, we talk about Rodney Dangerfield and the aura of that man is funny. Mitch Hedberg has this, he talks weird. He like yeah. is weird. He is funny. He doesn't even have to tell me jokes. I'll be like, this guy's fucking funny. Sure. Jeselnik, I think like his monotone and like he just like stands there. He, like I said, the, laugh, the hardest I laughed was when the one time he did a voice and like to me, at least what I'm looking for in comedy is like a a comedian, like somebody who just feels funny. I feel like this guy has found like a shortcut that he believes where it's like, oh, I can just do this forever. And it's like, actually the times that you start writing and you start doing a little bit more work on your jokes are the times you are funnier, but he just goes back to the, how can I make this a twist? Which I think we could come around if we wanted to spend five hours today coming up with phrases and then seeing how we can turn them. I think we could come up with 50 jokes today and they might not might not all be good, but five, two of them might be good and we do it again the next day. So like, do you feel like he, are you saying that he has like a lazy kind of comedy? Yeah, oh yes, yeah. for sure. And part of that is his, his uh, persona too, him being like, I'm a badass, I'm this, uh, the prince of darkness. Like, that's not funny, you don't, me. you're not a prince of darkness. Like, you're like, he, He's not that, right? Like, we're watching the Pam and Tommy thing. Tommy Lee is fucking nuts. The guy's tatted up insane and, like, could murder anybody at any time. Jessel Nick, none of these jokes land because, like, he's not that. Well, I don't think he means Prince of Darkness like he's Ozzy Osbourne. I think he means, like, I just tell dark jokes and I'm not going to... Yeah, but yeah, I'm like, telling I'm dark jokes... I'm so dark people, jokes like, dark, into that. You know, like, oh, I'm going to burn you so hard with this mediocre joke i will say a lot of his uh a lot of the topics in him in his jokes make sense um when he says he went to catholic school growing up so like that helped me kind of categorize him (laughs) he does he does have that yeah when he starts talking about like the joke about his nephew and the barbie doll i was like oh god where is this going and then it becomes he says he's not going to get him a barbie doll because it gives boys unrealistic expectations 
how easy it is to tear off a head or something. Yeah. And like, yeah, it ended still pretty morbid, but like not the direction we thought he was going in. Yeah, right. <laughs> like I, I liked the the part about growing up and having a gun. And and again, yeah. you're right, Aaron, there was a couple extra little sprinkles of jokes on that one that was keeping it going that made like, you know, the joke is essentially, you know, my parents wanted a gun to protect our five kids. Then we needed to get rid of the gun to protect our four kids. <laughs> Just when I was getting good at it. Right. <laughs> right. So, like, I do like that. And, I mean, yeah. Uh, my mom should have been celebrating her 60th B-Day, but because of drugs and alcohol, we all forgot. Yeah. You know, like, I think, again, you look at Hedgeberg, and because he uses the entire world, you really never know where he's going. And because he's so out there and outlandish, like... This shit he says is even crazy. This is just, it becomes so formulaic and predictable that the formula, like, is, like, just is, becomes boring. Like, I know that... He said, in fifth grade, my classmate got cancer. Yeah. So every guy shaved our head to make fun of him. And we no, would have but kept the, doing the it, next but joke is... It didn't know. last too long, because you, you know, know how cancer, cancer. gets. <laughs> and AJ, put me in my place, maybe. Maybe I'm a prude about this, but, like... Cancer jokes, 9-11 jokes. I even I wrote in my notes here, 9-11 jokes just don't do it for me. Like, it, Honestly, I feel like I can laugh at all of those things. Like a 9-11 joke lands. Uh, cancer, I just can't, make it I land. I can't think of like a way in which failed. that would be funny to me. So I appreciate that nothing's off limits. Like I really do. Yeah. It has to be funny. I agree that's not all of these hit. But like he's got some old jokes where he's talking like the Holocaust. He talks about how his mom is a Holocaust denier. And then he wants her to watch all these. He's like, my mom's a Holocaust denier. You know, she doesn't believe it happened. They're like, mom, how, you know, six million Jews died. Like, how can you not? So we, we had her watch all these documentaries. She watched Schindler's List. You know, we watched all these different things. And now she's a true believer. In fact, she can't believe it hasn't happened twice. <laughs> and that kills me. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I don't even get that. Like, like, not only is she a Holocaust right now, but she was educated on it and wants more. Right. Okay. <laughs> and like he made a Hitler joke in this one, like that shit just yeah. like makes me laugh. I don't yeah. know. Well, you know, we're all different, I guess. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I think that I can laugh at all these things, but they've got to be delivered to me yeah, in, like, a, in a good way that like is clever and I feel like is genuine. Yes, if like, I'm going to laugh at a smart, like, like you better work for that joke. Right. Can we talk about the one part where there was some substance? It's the name of the uh, it's yeah. the name of the show, Thoughts Wait, and Prayers. Wait, before we get to that, can I just read some of my random notes because they're kind of funny. Okay, yeah. go this, on. These were my stream of consciousness as watching. Okay, wife beating joke, asshole dad, toxic masculinity, etc. Baseball cards, boy shit. And then he says, Did you know when a baby is born, fresh out of the womb, it can actually hear and see everything around it for up to 10 seconds after it's decapitated? This is the most childish, stupid, lame form of comedy. It's not even a form, just dumbass, unfunny subject matter. It's not even offensive, it's just straight up dumb. Dropped quote, dropped my cousin's baby, but who would ask me to be a pallbearer? Dead oh, baby no. jokes are so 20 years ago, 20 million so years ago. And then he says, dead baby jokes have made me rich. Have they really? I mean, I guess he does have $3 million. We looked it up earlier. So it's like for Anthony Jesselnik. That's pretty good. I don't have $3 million and I've been making That's dead true. baby jokes for years. Yeah, but, like, that part, though, I am just, like... And then he says, Hitler jokes, I lost my grandfather in the Holocaust Museum, and then I'm like, God, we still have 23 minutes left of this FML. Wait, you can't just say that line, though, because that is a great comma line. Like, I lost my grandfather in the Holocaust Museum Museum is, like, a great comma. because it's because To me, at least, and correct me if you feel differently, but that's smart. Yes. So... And then he goes, joke about... Then in my notes, sorry, let me just repeat. Also, he's $5 million net worth in 2022. And then I have joke about racist grandma and Mark Twain, totally predictable. Quote, I am a real comedian, the best of all time, LOL, okay, dude. Self-confidence, we like it. Mm, (laughs) Okay, let's get into the thoughts of guys. Okay, go to it, sorry. Okay, take it. Well, so he's, he's talking about how he has this love of making jokes about tragedies the day they happen. He makes an Aurora, Colorado Batman joke where he's, you know, he tweets out, other than that, how was the movie? 
kind of funny. He tweets about the Boston bombing. I liked the part where he's talking about, I don't pay attention to the news, but I know when tragedies happen because people just start texting me, don't do it. Yeah, that which, was funny. Which no, that was funny. makes me laugh. And but then, that's where it went against his point. Like, t- for me, I was like, okay, you know, there is a point in, like, when everything is so, so sad, how can I make people smile and make a joke? I get that. But to me, it sounded like he he, he just liked to be the person. It was, like, very self-centered. Because well, he was like, I don't get the news. I just get a bunch of texts of people being like, don't do it. You're the one that's going to do it. Like, well, you don't do it. to his point, so he makes a tweet about the Boston bombing and, and so on, and he, he gets... Uh, uh, he said he got in trouble. For he that. gets threatened to lose his whole job for yeah. it. He should have just finished the tweet. By the way, the, fin- the tweet is, uh, uh, I guess some some lines just shouldn't be crossed, and especially finish especially finish lines. He could have just done the first part. Yeah. I thought. I, I thought that was yeah. good enough. I don't. The finish lines is him again trying to be too smart. I think he's he thinks he is so clever. When like sometimes I think he wanted them to. Yeah, when you tweet out on the man, he wanted to make sure people knew this is what I'm referring to. Yes, but anyway, he gets threatened to lose his job, and he says it sounds like you're making. They tell him it sounds like you're making fun of the victims, and he goes no, because the victims aren't on Twitter. They're busy doing victim shit. They're not in the middle of getting a tourniquet going, are we trending right now? And then he goes on to people that get on Twitter and comment, you know, some version of thoughts and prayers. And he says, you know what you're really doing? He says, that's worth less than nothing, truly less than nothing. Uh, You're giving no time, no money, no compassion. All you're really doing is saying, don't forget about me. Lots of crazy distractions in the news, but I'm also sad. Uh, you know, he's, and then he says they're like a wedding photographer who only takes selfies, which I thought was funny. Right, but by him being like, oh, I have to comment on this and make a funny joke, I don't see how that's any different. Except he for he's like, not trying to show sympathy to, like, his point is... Yeah, he's being mean. So well, it's like both people not, are saying something. One of them is sending their love to these people who undeniably like, I well, see sad things happen and I feel bad. And, so like, let's talk about it. That's what know? I wanted to bring up is... is I think about this all the time. When something sad happens or when there's a political something, I want to comment on it. I want to post about it. But when it doesn't, it's not a, when it's not about me and it's, am I like, oh, I, you know, like all of a sudden I'm getting that endorphin high because I got a bunch of likes on my like sad comment about, you know, the Aurora, Colorado shooting or the Boston bombing. And, and all it's really doing is making like, it's nobody that is at that thing is going to feel better about it. Maybe communally online, we are all feeling better because we're commenting and maybe that is important, but I, I've never thought about the perspective of like, you're not, you're just doing it to make yourself feel better and maybe that's okay maybe we need to feel like I I just hadn't thought about it like that before I think I always think of it in the perspective of like if I was affected by this event and I saw Anthony Jessel I would be like go fuck yourself my sister just died like blind with rage we're talking about two different things yes he is no not really these are the victims like victims aren't just the like however many people died literally in the Boston bombing it's the families the community but I'm talking about two different things Anthony Jessel making a joke is offensive he wants to be offensive that is his whole his whole brand we've talked about it is to be offensive but he's talking about the other end of not being offensive of just being a, a comment just being yeah, like my thoughts and prayers called, with the people yeah that's called virtue signaling you know virtue like that right. he, he just explained virtue signaling right. you know but, 8 years before the term was coined you know yeah exactly but is there substance to that like it makes me really think like part of me thinks if i'm a if i'm a person involved or i know somebody or it affects me directly one of these incidents and i see millions of people thoughts and prayers does that make me feel good, bad, indifferent? Probably indifferent. I'm probably not. Th- I'm, I'm too occupied to even think about them. But knowing that I'm too occupied to think about them, does the people posting, like, are they thinking about me as somebody involved? Or are they really just thinking about my community and getting some likes? Like, I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah, but even if it doesn't involve me, I'm still, like, I have a an empathy where I'm, like, even for the people that it's affecting... Like, I'm taking on their feelings, and if they saw this, like, it's still just as bad, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's virtue signaling. So, like, them posting thoughts and prayers, him having his tweet literally is no better, and it just... Is it about making yourself feel good? Yeah, that's why you're posting, right? That's you're what posting, he's posting to feel too, though. Right. Be like, I'm making a joke. And also funny, yeah. Being stupid, like. 
Maybe. Is it okay if I pivot to another funny joke that well, I thought he had? Can I say one more yeah, thing? Uh, sure. This is like right in that time frame when thoughts and prayers was like the catchphrase where there was these mass shootings mm-hmm. and people would be like, our thoughts and prayers. And it's like, well, why don't you actually like change a gun law? Like we don't yeah, want your yeah. thoughts and prayers. Like, so it was right. We still that, get that. Yeah. It, it, nothing has ever changed, but it was right at the beginning of that topic. But you which, know what? Like okay, I can't change a gun law. You can't change a gun law. Like, we can try in whatever way, voting, etc. But, like, at the end of the day, if I see that there's a shooting somewhere, like, I've seen shootings that are like, I'm like, fuck, my friend lives in that town. And that For was, sure. like, a grocery store that she could have gone to that day. For sure. That's fucking crazy. And obviously, I would talk to her privately. But also, like, seeing the pictures or seeing these fucking Snapchat videos of kids in their school hiding, like, oh my god, it's horrific. And, but like, I'm sorry for you guys. I'm sorry for all of us that this is a reality. I think we're also misremembering, like, pre... I honestly think it, it dates, like, right towards 2020, uh, like, all the protests that happened that summer with the George Floyd stuff. Like, all of a sudden, I saw a shift in the way people were posting on social media where it was no longer, like, a thoughts and prayers post. It was, like... Uh, here's how to get involved. Here's a meeting. Here's some place you can donate. Here's the number to call your local, you know, uh, yeah, politician. Yeah, definitely, definitely got a little like, bit more active. All of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden, it wasn't what Jeselnik is saying, which is worthless. Like it was like right. But where have we gotten since then, anyway? What's changed since then? Literally nothing. That's not necessarily true. I mean, it's slow I and steady. I don't know more people posting, I guess, about things, but I don't know. Like. I think there's value in all in in posting action things and even just like like things that are like trending on Twitter, for example, like just things talking about it. It kind of just like shows the pulse of a nation, you know, like it's at least like, okay, I'm not alone in thinking that this is really fucked up. Right. Like during George Floyd, like. I think it's important for, like, black people to know that they're not the only ones who are looking around and saying, whoa, this is fucked up, like, things have to change. Even if all we're doing is saying this is fucked up, at least I can say to other, to black people, hey, this is fucked up and I'm with you. Sure, Jocelyn, you know, like, like that has some value. Look what you've And he's coming in and to. doing the opposite, which is, like, just for literally his own self-gain so that he can be the person who makes a joke when someone dies. Like, yeah. I think that's fucking lame. I just I think agree. that he has... It's funny because most celebrities talk about how they don't want to be, um, st- like, stereotypecast uh, and, and pigeonholed. And, like, that's all he does to where, like, I can't watch him do anything now because there's no originality to every time. Like, again, it goes back to what I've been saying this whole time, which is, like, I know the joke. Like, I would rather be pigeonholed. I think, and in, in, I don't know if this is me saying this personally, I'm just saying I think there are people out there that would rather be pigeonholed and successful than uh, constantly evolving and nobody knows them. You know? Yeah, but I think Jezelnik is probably smart and funny enough to where he could do something else, but he's now just like taking this easy way of like, this is my this is my formula and I have to be maybe, mean. Maybe, I have to I be think crude. it's a bit of typecasting, yeah. sure, right? He's like, controlled by his base. Yeah, that, this is what people want out of him. Yeah, I can't wait for when he runs for president. Uh, I think it's going to be. Michael, what joke did you want to If you thought the nicknames Donald Trump came up with for Marco Mark Rubio were funny. Oh, <laughs> um, Honestly, I, I, I think, think Anthony Jeselnik had a part in Trump getting elected. Oh, uh, there we go. Let's I think that him. he contributed <laughs> to Donald Trump being done. president. As far as culture and values. I actually say that dead seriously. Like, this guy, his whole bullshit, like, (laughs) bootstrap. I can't take you seriously. I I swear I'm not even kidding. You are profiting off of those people. Yes. He's, he's not like furthering again. This, like, he is, he's a symptom, not to our listeners. Do you guys like this kind of comedy? I'm curious. Comment on this if you do, because I'd like to see where we stand. Fun. Yeah, no, really. I'd like. I'm very interested based on like the makeup of this table and what we've yeah. said. What the general consensus is. I mean, he's successful, I, so I do think his last line here, when he's talking about how he gets death threats for some of his stuff, and he says, "If I." get killed for one of my jokes 
that is the best way I could go out. And I really believe, like, I thought about that for a while. Like, can you imagine if somebody took out Anthony Jeselnik? He would be remembered forever. Oh, Anthony Jeselnik, legend, died for his jokes, you know? He's not that funny. No one's going to kill him. So that's the shark party. He's not like a revolutionary, like, standing up for, for, like, valuable idea. First Amendment, right? Not Lenny Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he goes on, he ends his set with the shark party talk where he's basically trying to make himself feel better about a sketch that he did I guess I'm not gonna lie the shark party um, like kinda sounded funny yeah so he actually hey, makes it sound I was kind he, of like he makes what? it sound good everyone google Jezelnik shark party it is the lamest yeah. sketch I've ever seen he makes it sound like it was wait what huge part crazy. of it makes it sound funny though it's just sharks dancing no, it just sounds like they would have a good time and like party. Yeah, they're having like, like it sounded funny. It's just like, <gasps> but literally, it's, party. like Jezelnik doesn't even dance <laughs> in it. It's these really bad costumes. The music's not good. He's like, oh, it goes on for way too long. It went on for like thirty seconds. The stripper like wasn't a stripper and like. Then what was the stripper? It was basic cable. Yeah, she was like, like a girl. it was a dressed human being. Yeah, it was a girl in a shark outfit who like gave him a lap dance for a second that he was kind of into, but like. It was not funny at all. I'm wasting my time. I'm sad I saw it. And I'm just confused on. And at the end, it was weird. On what? I don't know. It did, the, I'm thinking it about a sketch funny. comedy show. Like if that ran on SNL. That was his favorite thing. I've been talking like about the sketch for like years. Watch Key and Peele. Like it can be done eloquently. <laughs> he also wasn't a sketch show. He was a toss show. Like okay, like his whole suit. premise yeah. behind his whole premise behind the shark party was. Sharks kill this many amount of human beings a year, whereas human beings kill this many amount of sharks a year, which is significantly greater than the amount that sharks kill of humans. So every time a shark kills a human, he has a party on his show. I'm thinking, like, this could be so funny. You could have, like, a round table of sharks meeting and being like, we finally got one, boys, and then, like, going into a crazy party. That is a funny idea. The execution he described was not funny. The only part of that bit that was really had me cackling was when he's talking about how New Zealand was basically, like, trying to cancel him. Yeah. And he's like... He just un- like in the middle of this monologue about talking about trying to get New Zealand going after him, he's like, they didn't even kill the shark. Like, <laughs> like they're coming after me. Yeah, for- I don't really get that though. Like, they don't kill sharks. No, of course not. Did. But they're mad that he made fun of a shark killing somebody. They weren't mad at the shark for killing somebody. Right. That was his point. They didn't yeah. even kill the shark and tried to cancel me. Right. That right. made me laugh. Um, is everyone okay if I go back to one joke towards the end that I like? Yes. Please. Yeah. It's not shark party related. But, Please. Um, we should have a shark party after this. He, so. I'm down. He was talking about his mom a little bit and like framed her as like a huge racist. And so like mm-hmm. I'm sitting there watching going, oh great, what's about to come after this? <laughs> and I found this joke to be like very well set up and, you know, one of his better ones. But he was like... He, growing up, he would bring friends over occasionally, and every so often he would bring, like, a black friend over, um, and whenever he would do that, his mom would pull him aside and say, like, who's your new friend? What is he, a drug dealer? And (laughs) Anthony would be like, Mom, put your money away. (laughs) And I was like, super racist, but, like, very funny, right? You know, he made like his mom, excellent yeah. joke, right? Yeah, he, when you yes, it's so so good, loved it. So like that stuff, definitely willing to give him some credit for. I thought he told some like additional dead baby jokes. I wrote in my notes like tomato, tomato, more dead baby jokes. Um, but you know, tomatoes, tomatoes. I just wish he had like kept that in the first half, you know, <laughs> like rather than dragging it into the last it, part of the it's set. It's just, yeah, I, I definitely, I read a good amount of interviews on him, and I watched his roast and some of his other, you know, bits of his other sets, and I, we've watched even um, who who is uh, Broad City that we did, Alana, Alana Glazer, yeah. So like. Everyone we've watched has been a really good performer, at least entertaining as a performer, and he is so boring. But I'm glad just, we did him then, just as like a comparison to yeah, everyone else like, we've done. And I mean, but and then his jokes just don't land. He this is another joke that I quoted from one of his roasts that Seth MacFarlane was hosting, and he goes. First, I thought Seth was just famous for the Family Guy, but then I did some research, and it turns out he's not famous at all. And it's just like, yeah, huh? Fine. Right, yeah, like, <laughs> like, that's like kind of how 
like all of his jokes are. Yeah. It's actually very awkward in the roast with Charlie Sheen. He his whole set, like no one's laughing. So I'm like addicted to idioms and turns of phrase and how we construct our sentences. We tend to like mimic each other. We say things. So like when he can pull apart what the expectation based on what you thought the sentence was going, like the one that uh, Michael just read, like you think you know where that sentence is going, you know, is he a drug dealer? And you're like, mom, that's racist. Enough, mom. Put your money, you know, like, like that's like a, a form of how we talk that he, he pulls apart. So like there are examples of that that are great. There are examples of that that are terrible, but like, I don't know, one that me and my brothers will like constantly repeat back to each other that I just think is really clever. He has a joke in one of his specials where he says, I think my friend Jeff is gay. I don't know. I'm pretty bad with names. <laughs> like, that's so... Because you think you know where that sentence is going. He sets you up with a line that you've heard a million times. I think this person is gay. Like, you know, so that is, to me, is like... When you when you can play with expectation of common language, that is smart. Like, there is something smart about that. I like this analysis of this special, though. Um, Wait, should yeah. we all say our favorite joke? Uh, one last thought before I lose it. So it's been, it's interesting going back and watching these things and not like he he serves a specific purpose clearly because he three out of the four of us don't like him I would say and that's enough though the AJs of the world the twenty five percent is enough to where this guy has been relevant for over a decade. Yeah. Way to go, Because um, because mm-hmm. I'm go back and watch these roasts. Like you do, you watch roasts. We were watching the Andy Samberg uh, roast for James Franco. Incredible oh, roast. Everyone everyone on the dais is so cracking bad. up. So hysterical. Everyone in the audience is rolling. Well, they're you also watch, high as shit. Well, yeah, well, so well, everyone is. It's so but it's still everyone's laughing on the dais. Everyone's laughing in the audience. Everyone's laughing. That to me is a successful. Uh, routine you watch Jezelnik and like people sometimes like give him like a pity laugh there's a member in the audience that sometimes like are gasping so it's like wow okay that person got got but like the people aren't really laughing even in the second half like that lady stops laughing I like we we kind of we talked about how how like the beginning he's got some more stuff but like it's interesting that he's gotten so far because He's got this wit that I think people really respond to, but ultimately, I think as a performer, um, he just doesn't cut it, and you can tell what the audience is. You're right that he he's better formatted to like be a writer on mm-hmm. uh, like Weekend Update. Like if he was just like the Weekend Update dude, sat yeah. behind a desk and was just like, "Here's what's happening in the news, and here's one joke about it." Yeah, probably would kill. Yeah, would probably kill. I'm in full agreement with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Anybody got some favorite like last thoughts? I mean, I told all my favorite jokes. I'm just going to say, personally, my closing argument here would be a quote where he says, Anthony, women must hate you. They must come to your shows and hate you. And I say, no, stupid women hate my shows. Smart women don't come to my shows. And with that being said, I will never be talking about this man again, nor giving him my time, nor energy. hey yo. That's that. And now a word from our sponsors. And this little piggy went all the way to Krusty Krusty's Feed Emporium. You got those little crusties on your piggly wigglies, right? And you're like, what should I do about them? How do I make sure my grandma don't see my crusty feet? Well, guess what? Come on down to Krusty Krusty's Feed Emporium and we'll get those feet looking real good. We use our smoothie blender where we put a smoothie ice ball all over your feet. We also offer our pillow feet process which we we like to make your feet go to sleep real nice and then they wake up all dazzling nice oh yeah that's right so all your piggly wigglies gross and disgusting make me want to vomit then come on down to crusty crusty's feet emporium on the next episode of if you have to explain the joke we'll be reviewing joan rivers abroad in london 